Please take your Bibles tonight, turn to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It was a blessing this morning to have so many folks that came, and uh, we even had a, a baby. Some of you may remember Tonia and Johnson, they're, in the, they're actually in our um, church directory, and um, it was good to see her today, and I couldn't pick, couldn't pinpoint her name, but I... Uh, what a blessing to have Bill Ollis, and, and what a surprise, but not really, to have Mr. Kerr. Um, probably watching tonight, Jim. We're praying for you, and glad that you are on the mend. Keep praying for Serena. Keep praying for Ethan and uh, the whole list. Joanne Tomkowitz. Serena is on the mend, and we're grateful for that. All right, Second Corinthians 7. Everyone there? All right, let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to begin reading in verse 2, and then finish at verse 10, and we'll remain standing for prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning in verse 2, Paul says, Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. I speak this not to condemn you, for I have said before that ye are in our hearts to die and live with you. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us. By the coming of Titus, and not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you, when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoice the more. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry though it were but for a a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. May God bless his word. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the dear folks that have come out tonight for our evening service to worship you. Thank you for those that are joining us online. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd bless our worship tonight, our corporate worship. And we want to magnify you. We want to thank you, Lord, for uh, your faithfulness over the last 30 years. You have met our needs. You've provided uh, two buildings for us to be able to worship in. And you've provided uh, just all the needs that we've had. And we're so grateful for the various ministries that we've had over the years. And uh, the open doors that you've given us. And the people that we were able to influence. And I pray for your blessing tonight upon our time in the Word and our time together. I pray you'd bless me and bless the nature of tonight's message. I pray the Spirit of God would use the things that I share just to be a blessing and encouragement to honor you. We want to bring glory to your name. And Father, I thank you so much for this dear congregation. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And you may be seated. 
All right, let's take our Bibles again and open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I appreciate uh, some of the things that Paul shares in this letter as he bears his heart in ministry. And uh, he, he, in verse 6, or chapter 6, in verse 11, he says, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. It's a theme of, of Paul as he shares his heart, his love for these believers that he's ministered to, and uh, his concern for them. And he says in verse 12, You're not straightened in us, but you're straightened in, our, in your own bowels. And that's a strange saying, but um, and he will kind of connect with it in verse 2 of chapter 7. He starts out by saying, receive us. Literally in the Greek, it's, he's asking them to open up themselves to him and, and, and the people he's ministering with, their ministry team. He's saying, receive us. Open up, really he's saying, open up your hearts to us. Because that's the theme that he's, he's been talking a lot about. He's mentioned it again in verse 6 and he'll talk about it in, in chapter 12. We should be able to get to that tonight. He's talking about his love for them. He shares there where he will gladly spend and be spent for them, though the more abundantly he loves them, the less he be loved. So, you know, Paul's theme here is he challenges the believers. uh, And it hints at verse 11 in chapter 6, or excuse me, verse 12 in chapter 6, you are not straightened in us, but you are straightened in your own bowels. The idea of being constricted, and he's talking about their love for him, and he's talking about the fact that they were, their love for him had narrowed. Uh, they had um, limited their love for him. And that's why in chapter 7, verse 2, he says, Receive us. Open up yourselves to us. Accept us. Uh, that's a theme that has hit, grab, grab, um, grab my attention. Um, that there are people that we might tend to reject that God wants us to receive. I did a message one time on a rejecting those that God receives because throughout the Scripture, and this is one of them, these believers have to be challenged to accept someone where their tendency would be to reject them. And you and I had to be very careful that... You and I don't, in our minds, cancel someone, use today's lingo, uh, cancel someone, dismiss someone that God has put in our life, that God, God has put in our life. I mean, in other words, God wants them there. God wants their influence in, in your life and my life, so he's put them in our lives, and we reject that. Uh, maybe because of some false understanding, So what Paul has to challenge people about a lot, I think we need that challenge too. So he says, receive us. We've wronged no man. He goes on, and uh, here's where I want you to look at. I want you to look down to verse 8. He says, he he talks talks about what is often called uh, the tear-stained letter. He says, for though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. What's he talking about? Well, he wrote a letter, and of course, 1 Corinthians, he addressed some very serious issues. Chapter 5, specifically, and Charlie will be getting to that 
Chapter 5, I don't know, Charlie, when you think you'll hit to chapter 5. <laughs> Next year, maybe, it'll be a while. Um, but, uh, you know, of course, they had fornication among them. So much was not named among the Gentiles and so forth. Uh, and they were, they were cows. But when Paul wrote, in verse 8, he said, I made you sorry with a letter, though I do not repent. I don't regret it. He said, though I did repent. I did regret it. Is Paul double-minded? No. He's sharing the battle that went on in his heart. And he explains it in the next part of verse 8. For I perceive that, this, that the same epistle, that's an old word, English word for letter, hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry. So this is where he's, he's like, I, was, you know, I, I regretted it, and that I didn't really regret it, but I did regret it. What's, he's not double-minded. He's just saying, I knew that I was going to share some hard things with you. And I, know, I knew that it might not be received well. And, and especially in light of their, their relationship where he has to tell them, hey, accept us, open your heart to us, receive us. And uh, so he's wrestling with this. And he knew, I need, I need to share this with them. But it was hard for him to do that because he cared about them. He did not want to make them feel bad, but they needed to hear something that may not be palatable initially. Remember Proverbs, faith for the wounds of a friend? And that's, so this is what's going on in Paul's mind. And he says again, uh, verse 9, Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. See, Paul was very sensitive to the fact that if they did not receive it well, their perception would be, Paul hurt us. Paul has damaged us. And, and he did not want to do that. that was, he loves these people. But he knew he needed to tell them some hard things. And ultimately, he rejoiced. Now, tonight, because it's our anniversary, you know, for many years, I have toyed with doing a message. Uh, it's been 30 years. And there are some things over the last 30 years as a pastor, um, things that I regret. That's the title of the message tonight, things that I regret. And I, again, I, there's been times where something would happen and I regret um, the way I handled it or what I did. And uh, most of the case, uh, nobody ever said anything. I never said anything. Uh, every once in a while... You know, you get wind, somebody, when someone, when criticism comes to you secondhand, it's always a harder pill to swallow. That's faithful. You know how the Bible talks the words of a talebearer are as wounds. They go down into the innermost parts of the belt. So much better when somebody has a problem or a concern and they come to you directly. That's true love. That's what Paul was doing, right? You know, he was, he was writing to them some hard things, but... He did not want, he wasn't eager to hurt them, damage them. And ultimately, they didn't receive damage by him in anything. Um, but there was that risk. And uh, so what I want to share, I just, you know, because I've been keeping, I've kind of had notes on the side for many years of things that I regret. And uh, ultimately, I'm like, you know what, I'll probably never preach this message. I'll probably never share this. Guess what? I'm sharing it. Um, 
So I just I want to go back over our history a little bit, and I want to share some things by, from my perspective uh, that I regret, and I want to share with you what went on in my mind uh, and why I've shared I've shared one of these many years ago or some years ago. Uh, I shared the story, and I'll just give you this as by way of an introduction. I remember when my girls were younger, before the boys came along, came down to my basement one time, and my daughters and my wife were watching a uh, an Irish music group. And these girls had long flowing dresses. There was violin and singing, and they were singing in front of a castle. And they're like, Daddy, is this music that we can listen to? Because they had already been hooked. They, they love this. And I'll never forget the pressure as a dad. Got these three beautiful sets of eyes looking up at me like, looking for my leadership. Waiting for my decree. I approve. I disapprove, you know. And I remember the pressure. And I'm looking at this. It, it, for those of you that don't know, it was a singing group called Celtic Women. And um, the songs, I listened to a couple songs. And, they, you know, they were Irish and... They seemed pretty good. They were so I, I I remember saying, okay, feeling the pressure. Remember, still remember those eyes looking up at me. And then and and I knew they wanted me to say yes. And I said, Okay, yes. And I, there might have been celebration in the streets and rejoicing. Um, and then so I started getting into it and started listening to it. And and I liked it. And eventually we became for a time Celtic women fans. We actually went to a concert. And at one of the concerts, the concert I went to, and we even had some people in our church. I think Noreen went, someone else went. And I'll never forget. Um, now, when I grew up, as, as many of you know, I loved rock music. Not soft rock, hard rock. And I went to many concerts. And, and they had a drum set there that was bigger than I had ever seen them. You know, I didn't, they didn't have that on the TV in front of the castle, at least not that I saw and I remember I'd already gotten really, I started liking some of the songs and we started listening. And all of a sudden I was transported back in time. Because again, one of my weaknesses, and, and I know that I'm so aware that music is such a controversial issue. I'm very aware of that. And I'm so appreciative of your folks's, um, you know, that you have not strung me up because we sing traditional songs here. I, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, most churches are stringing up their pastors for that. Grateful for that. But I want to tell you, again, my flesh, I love rock music. And at that concert, all of a sudden, I felt like I was at a Kansas concert back in my old days. I mean, the drums were very heavy. And I know some of you aren't going to get this, but the bottom line is, I just started not having a piece of my spirit only because I want to be true to my principles, you know, and my convictions. The Bible says, Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And I'm aware, especially when it comes to the conscience, I'm learning more and more, um, you know, that there's the whole idea of not violating your conscience. And I remember at that concert, I'm like, oh, I, I just don't have peace about it. Now, how do you tell your, your girls who now love this music, I want you to pull away from it. And they were very gracious. Not not that they didn't secretly listen to it. I'm I'm not a dummy, you know. But uh I know they were they were very supportive and they're okay, Dad. 
We won't wear the shirts publicly or whatever. Um, and, and I was grateful for that. But I remember hearing through the grapevine down the road that somebody found out, somebody was slamming me about it behind my back. And that really bothered me. Why did they not come to me? If they had a problem with it, I would have shared with them what I just shared with you. Uh, and, and so that, that's a regret, but again, uh, nobody came to me. And, and in some of these air issues I share with you, uh, some of them nobody came to me. And most of it is because you were, you were very forgiving of me. I'm sure in one or two of these situations, eyebrows were raised. Let me give you an example, okay? Years ago, and I want to tell you something about the nature of ministry. In the nature of ministry, especially pastoring a smaller church, we have to deal with an issue that I'm convinced most people don't understand unless you're a pastor. Uh, it, is, it is by far the biggest effect that we will always have to deal with because of the nature of our occupation, the nature of church work, and it's tyranny of the urgent. Constantly, uh, people are calling you in the urgent mode. And if we are not careful, and that's been my big challenge over the years, it is so easy. That's why it's called tyranny of the urgent. And so over the years, there have been times when I, depending on what's going on in our ministry, who uh, I'm ministering to at the time, and what I'm dealing with, and sometimes I get so weighed down and so overwhelmed, as it were, with what's going on in the ministry that I lose touch with what's going on in the news, you know? And uh, sometimes, thankfully, my wife's more up on politics and she'll fill me in, but during this time, I got a phone call out of the blue from a congressman from Pennsylvania. And uh, I think the, the re- elections were coming up and he was up for re-election, what do you call that? And, um, and I knew the name, I'm like, okay, the, you know, so we, we have Congressman so-and-so calling you, and uh, he would like to schedule and come and, and just introduce himself and talk to the church. And I'm like, okay, here's a congressman. I'm, I'll tell you what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Titus chapter 3 and verse 1. Listen to what it says. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. I'm thinking of 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Exhort, therefore, the first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in their authority. And I'm thinking, okay, here's a congressman that has reached out to me that wants to just introduce himself to our congregation. He was a sitting congressman. I thought, you know what? And I did not know what political affiliation he was. I did not know at that time, because I was so buried in whatever was going on in ministry, I did not know what his position was on the issue, if you know what I mean, uh, abortion and what's going on. And, uh, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I was blessed that this man wanted to present, you know, just talk to our congregation and kind of felt pressured, but I said, you know what, okay, I'll do it. And then he said, we scheduled a date. And then I found out. He ain't pro-life. And I really was in a quandary. What do I do? So close to canceling. And I thought, this guy's going to be here. And he's going to stay. In my mind, he's going to stay for the service. 
And I'm going to get to preach the gospel to him. All he was doing was introducing himself. I thought, you know, I'm going to get to preach the gospel to this guy. So I did not cancel. So he came. He presented. Some of you may have been here. Some of you may remember. Some of you may be still like, I wonder why pastor had that guy. Um, and then he came. And, I, and then, you know, after he was done, he went and sat in the back. And, and I got to preach for him for like three minutes. And then he snuck out. <laughs> and I'm like, what? But I will never forget that because I always regret. First of all, I regret that I didn't know ahead of time who he was. I regret in any way giving a platform uh, to someone that was not in, you know, supporting an issue that I am passionate about. In fact, at the time, I was the chairman of the Pennsylvania Baptist for Life and Families. uh, And, you know, that just really graded me wrong. Um, I, I didn't hear anybody criticize, you know. I'm sure some people in our church were like, wow, I'm surprised Pastor had this guy. Uh, but that, And that's something that I regret. And I, and I wanted to just kind of put that out there. For those of you, anyone out there that were kind of thinking that, because it, it, you know, I admit it was inconsistent. If I had the opportunity to do it again, um, I would say, you know what, thanks, but no thanks. I'd get on the phone and try and call a, a pro-life congressman and say, would you come and present your, you know, yourself to the church? But anyway, it is what it is. You can't change the past. By the way, I, I remember an issue when I, early on in the ministry. I forget what it was, but I remember uh, that I was under heavy fire for something. I do remember now what it was. It was one of those, and this was, this was, Actually, this was like 30 years ago, right when we started. And it was one of, the, it was one of those difficult situations in ministry. Um, and I remember I was under fire for a decision. I had sought counsel about it. And as I was talking again to my pastor, I remember him saying, uh, you know what, he said, it's, it's so easy for people to like armchair quarterback the ministry. But when you're, in the, when you're on the forefront, people don't understand and I, and I was grateful for that. Here's another one. I was at a pastor's conference, and um, the speaker mentioned a book. That uh, And I was very blessed by this man's presentation. And the book was called, Your Drug May Be Your Problem. And it was just talking about psychotropic drugs and how um, sometimes... Uh, people's problems can be the drugs. Not always. Uh, but it seemed to be a well-balanced book. It was re- recommended by this guy. I got the book and I read it. And then from that connection, I uh, became aware of a video. In fact, the, one of the, the author of this book was interviewed in this video. And it was put out by a generic group called Citizens Commission on Human Rights. And the video was a long video. I played it for two Sunday schools. This, and I don't even remember what year it was, many years ago. Played it for two Sunday schools. It was a two-parter. It was called The Marketing of Madness. There was, you know, it, it, and I, it wasn't a religious film. It was just presented as, it seemed very scientific. And I was, you know, I wanted the folks in our church to, to hear it. Anybody remember seeing that that when we showed it? Anybody? Okay. All right. It was that long ago. And I showed it. And it's still available on YouTube, by the way. 
And then weeks after, maybe months after, and I had already looked into, I could not find anything on Citizens Commission on Human Rights. And then one day I came across a link and I found out, and this bugs me. Let me back up for a minute. I remember learning and I remember experiencing that there are certain cults that go out door to door and they'll knock on your door and they'll try to engage you in conversation, but they will not tell you where they're from. And to me, uh, anytime we go door to door, anytime we go out there, we let people know right away, we are from Bible Baptist Church. We're going to sla- get the door slammed in our face. Might as well get it over with. Let's just be honest to who we are. But, uh, but I know there are cults out there that go door to door that will not tell you where they are from, which is very deceptive. And that's exactly so. I find out that the Citizens Commission on Human Rights is a front group for the Church of Scientology. Now, do you want to make a motion to dismiss me as the pastor right now? I will understand that. (laughs) You can do that. Because I've been beating myself up ever since I did that. I I was going to address it after that, and I just... It just, that's one of the things I regret. You know, I was snookered. I was snookered by it. And, uh, and I regret that. So be aware. And by the way, let me warn you. In fact, let me apologize. If any of you were impressed by that and, and asked to be put on the mailing of the Citizens Commission on Human Rights, so inane. It's the Church of Scientology and they are relentless. Talk about marketing. They will market m- madly. Uh, I have asked about, it seems like 50 times, to get taken off their mailing list. I've called, they followed up, they would follow up for months. They had someone call me like every week. Just, and then they'd send letters and all. So please avoid that group like anything. Or you will never get off their mailing list. Unless you like to receive mail. So that's that's another one. Then there is um, one of the biggest regrets uh, has to do with the whole tyranny of the urgent thing, and um, I'm very mindful of this. In fact, if you look look at Second Corinthians, ch- turn to Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. And I want you to look at All right, maybe it's 1 Corinthians. Hold on. All right, I wrote down the wrong reference. Some of you may be able to help me, especially if you have a online Bible search. I have it as 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours. Anybody see that? What is it? Of 2 Corinthians 12? Really? 2 Corinthians 12. Okay, got it. (laughs) All right. 2 Corinthians 12, everyone there? Verse 14. 
Paul says, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. For I seek not yours, but you. An interesting statement he makes after this. He says, For I see, for the children ought not to lay up for the, the parents, but the parents for the children. He's talking about ministry. He's talking about his relationship with them and how he was being accused of not having genuine motives in really being, you know, having the, the Corinthians' best interests at heart. You know, that, that he was being accused by the false teachers, that Paul was just in it for what he could get out of them. He was only trying to get something from them, and he wanted them to realize that wasn't the case. He was sharing his philosophy. Uh, he said, children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. In other words, he wasn't looking to make a profit off of them. He was looking to be a blessing to them and benefit them. And then in verse 15, and I've cherished this passage for many years, he said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. I've often said Paul's willingness was to be used and abused because he, that's how sincere he was. He, he loved them genuinely. He was not looking to get anything out of it. It was an insult to him, a slander to his motives. And he wanted them to realize that his heart was just to pour himself into them. I will gladly spend and be spent. And then he made this statement. He said, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. And I have, um, I've had to reckon with that idea uh, over the years. Because here's one of my regrets. In the fact of the ministry is tyranny of the urgent, that, and in fact, I got a, a, a article that somebody handed out at a conference I went to called Tyranny of the Urgent. It, it was the most helpful piece of literature to this day. Um, along the lines of boundaries, which I've mentioned ad nauseum to many of you, but these are books that have really helped me out. And this, this article, Tyranny of the Urgent, has really helped me because it, the, it was an intervarsity track. That's how it started out many years ago. And the author brought out the idea that there are things that are important and there are things that are urgent. And not everything that is urgent is important and not everything that is important is urgent. And the tyranny of the urgent is, is when we allow the things that are urgent to crowd out the things that are important. And the author brought out the verse where Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. He's had a three-year ministry. And he was able to say to the Lord, I have, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically said, I have accomplished that which you wanted me to do. I'm ready to be offered. He was ready to go to the Lord. He was ready to give his life. And, and yet, there were so many people that he didn't heal. There were so many people that he left this earth when he was crucified. Not every human need was met. Not every spiritual need was met. And yet, he could say confidently, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And that was profound to me. In other words... 
it is important that you and I do only what God wants us to do. And there will be things that will be presented to us that are urgent. They come to us as urgent, but they're not important. And I have battled with this because my heart, like Paul, I will gladly spend and be spent. If you need my time, my heart is, I'm going to give it to you. And so for years, I was trying to be all things to all people and try to keep up. And by the way, over those years, no matter how much time I gave to people, there would always be some people where it was never enough. And that's the tyranny of the urgent. And so for years, there was one couple that I was ignoring. There was one couple in my life that because of the tyranny of the urgent, I didn't have, to, I didn't have time to call them. I was trying to give myself to everyone else. And I was trying to keep my family first, my immediate family. So I had my family day and I guarded that. But there was a couple over the years that I neglected. And if anybody could criticize me and say, you didn't give me time, you, you should have given me time. There's a man named Jim, a lady named Betty. I call him mom and dad. My brother, he called my parents every week for years. My sisters are angels because they live in Westchester and they serve my parents. I mean, they just, we praise God for sisters that live near parents. And I remember for years feeling so guilty because I'm trying to keep up with all the demands and please everybody and still I'm being slammed because I didn't spend enough time with this group and there's people going around undermining, like, well, pastor doesn't spend enough time with the men. And it, I, I got that criticism, by the way, when I was having a men's Bible study at our house. And it's just, it is tyranny of the urgent. And finally, I said, you know what? I don't have time to call my parents. So what? I have to make time. And I've shared this with you that um, thanks to the quarantine, really, um, that, in fact, just so you know, I'm not available on Tuesday night at 6 to 7. And you can try and call me. But I will be, not FaceTime, it's Alexa, which is like FaceTime. I will be doing a video chat with my parents. And I've, and I've been doing it every week. Finally feel like I'm being a good son. My parents look forward to it. What a blessing. It is such a blessing. Uh, every time I call, I always give a, a go-ahead call, like a, what do you call that, a scouting, you know, Dad, I'm going to call you at such and such a time. Every time I call, he answers the phone, Steve, we're looking forward to you. You know, we can't wait. We've already got the Alexa set up, and we're waiting for you. I am so blessed. And yet there's a twinge. I even share that with you, feeling guilty, because I didn't do that for years. And you know what? If, if God had taken my parents, I would have lived with that. He's been so good. Parents are in their 90s. No. <laughs> I got to look for my wife. I just made my parents really old. Uh, my dad's 89, right? My mom's 87, something like that. Isn't that right? Something like that. Anyway, uh, I am so thankful. I'm telling you, I'm thankful for the quarantine because of the technology that my sisters bought this Alexa. And I just praise God. But that is a major regret. 
And I have no excuse. Uh, I hang my head in shame that I was not the kind of son that I should have been for years. Um, And even when I did that, I was still condemned. But I can say now that I'm not doing it now. So praise the Lord for that. One last thing, if you'll give me the time. Um, And by the way, you know, this verse here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. When someone has a pastor's heart, I've come to realize this, and I have to be good with this, and this is the passage that God has used. I get a whole lot closer to people than they get to me. And by that, I'm I'm thinking of Paul saying, I will very gladly spend and be spent, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. And Paul wasn't saying that like heading towards bitterness. Like, I'm done with you, Corinthians. I am ready to snip ties and move on. I've had it with you. There was, I don't get any bitterness in here. I don't, there's no regret. Yes, he is. In fact, he even says in the letter, you know, be ye also enlarged. He, he wanted them to love him. But I'm convinced that Paul was willing. He said, I will very gladly spend and be spent, even though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. I remember praying somewhat to the Lord and, and asking, Lord, do you want me to love people less? It's hard to love people, you know? And I remember just my prayer would be like, Lord, why, why does it hurt them when you pour yourself into people? You love them more than they would love you in many cases. Should I love them less? And by the way, the Lord did not speak to me audibly. Okay, just so you know. But it was like the Lord told me, um, if you love them less, then you're not doing it for me. Remember Colossians 3? Two verses in Colossians 3 that have been a help to me. Verse 17, it says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So why do I love people? Why do you, in ministry, if you minister, why do you have to love people? Because you're doing it for the Lord. And then verse 23 says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily. That's the Greek word suke, from the soul. Do it with everything, your core being. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily. As to the Lord, and not unto men. And so it's become very clear to me that, you know what, I have to, I have to be willing to get closer to people than, than they'll get to me. And I've got to be good with that. It was hard for me to go through these pictures this past week. Well, first of all, because some of the people we've lost. By the way, Mary, isn't this tie? One of Al's? It's not. Oh. I got a whole bunch of Alzito's ties. In fact, I'll sell them to you. No, I'm kidding. But um, I, I really thought I've, I'm going to be wearing some of Alzito's ties. And they're very special to me because Al was a special guy. Um, And when you lose someone like that, but those are people. And all the pictures of people we've seen. And these are people that I have genuinely loved. And as 
that one story I share with you that I won't repeat, when I came across someone that used to come to our church and he was doing something, and I remember having such warm feelings for him, and I went up and I got a very cold, icy response. And I had to realize, you know what, that's, that's okay. And I don't, you know, he never came to me and said, I have a problem with you. I, I'll never find out why there was the icy response, but it doesn't matter. Because I'm not doing it for people. I'm doing it for Jesus Christ. And I hope you are too. So the last, my last regret that I'll share in the closing minutes here is uh, and and I've kind of touched on this when I talked about problem people Um, and, and there's not been many. I'm so grateful but putting confidence in people where I thought they were on the same page, you know. Uh, in fact, I mentioned this at prayer meeting on Wednesday night. The previous Wednesday, Mary shared um, Mary shared about our kids and how we're so grateful that our kids like us, unless they're really good deceivers, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and as Mary shared that, then Leah prayed. She got to pray for whatever Mary. Mary's basically just praising the Lord. And I'll never forget when Leah prayed. I forget, well, I forget the exact wording, but in her prayer, she was praying that either our, our children would know that we are for them. Remember that, Leah? Um, I forget how exactly she worded it, but that phrase jumped out in my mind because that's my heart. you know. And I think as a parent, isn't that your heart for your child? And I love that wording there. You know, we are, you should not have a bigger cheerleader than your mom and dad. You know, and, and, but not every parent, not every kid knows that. And kids need to know that. It's so easy to communicate not that support without even realizing it. Uh, if you over-criticize and you don't build up your kids, it's so easy for that. And I feel, in fact, Paul, you remember in, in talking to Corinthians, he used the example of the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. In other words, and it's the same. There's so many illustrations here. And so I've come to realize that it's not about, and I did not enter the ministry because I needed love. I was going to get a lot of acceptance, a lot of praise. I, I did it so I could give myself. We, we did not have kids so that they could serve us. We did it because we wanted to pour ourselves into them. And um, because of that, my biggest regret, and I think Paul's Second Corinthians 4, obviously Jesus Christ, but he's God and he knew, but with Judas, is putting confidence in people that I thought were on the same page, and they're not. And I remember one in specific, and it doesn't matter who it is, and most of you don't even know who this is, it was long ago. Uh, there was someone that was attending the church very, very consistently, and, um, and was very quiet, and I assumed was right there with us on the same page. And uh, I would call on this person to pray, and uh, I just assumed that he was with me. And then one day he said, uh, you know, they, they were going to leave the church, and he said, and I want to sit down and share my observations with you. Okay. And it was then, as he's saying bye-bye and on his way out the door, that he started laying out all the problems that he had with me. 
And I thought, the whole time, if I had known you weren't with me, I wouldn't have called on you to pray. But here's the problem. His observations that he shared with me on the way out the door, he had already shared with a whole bunch of people in our church. And some of them left. Because then some of them would come to me and share those same things. I would go, I know know where that came from. So my last regret, the deepest regret, is that I cannot read minds. Pray for me. Would you pray that I will get the ability? No, I'm only kidding because I know I will never have that ability to read minds. In fact, God doesn't want me to. God doesn't want any pastor to. But it would be significant and it would be a blessing to be able to know. But that wouldn't change anything that I do. I will still love people, even though there's the risk. You know, that's where you, you have to be so careful not to be cynical. When you've had an experience like that or two, you start to, it, it's very easy to get suspicious to people that genuinely love you. Think, can I really trust this person? And, I, and, and Satan's played with my mind a few times, and I've had to just say, mm, get it out of my head. Just keep loving people. And folks, if we do that, if I do that, and the Lord gives me any more time here, I think I'll last a while, unless you decide otherwise, of course. Uh, but th- that's the key. You just keep loving people. And I want to challenge you. Just keep loving people through Christ. And we honor Him when we do that. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for ministry. And and I pray that the Spirit of God might make sense out of what I shared. And um, Father, I just wanted to communicate to our church family my heart. And hopefully, uh, maybe this has helped people. Uh, Wondering why some things have happened in the past, but I'm so grateful, Father, for a church that loves me and, and our family, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to open the sacred book every week and preach your word. And Father, I pray that you'd bless us as a church. Would you please give us many more years of ministry? Please keep the light burning and help us to spread the light, to shine the light. Let our light so shine. I pray that we would see a harvest of souls. Lord, bless us tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.